Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How are you this fine day, good sir? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, all my grass is dead. It was so hot and it didn't rain at all that I literally have to plant a new yard. That sounds expensive and unnecessary. Uh, yes, the tenants of which I'm not looking forward to discussing. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes discussing any tenants can be boring and unnecessary. Um. <laughs> yes, um, maybe not unnecessary. Well, it's but we'll make it exciting. Yeah, we'll, 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 do, we'll do our best. So if you couldn't guess, we're here for another movie review. Specifically, we're going to be talking about the 2020 film by Christopher Nolan titled Tenet. It is a science fiction action romp with some sort of kind of science fiction-y time travel, but not element to it. Um, a lot of people have already seen this. I'm sure there's plenty of other reviews, but you haven't gotten the pudding guy's take on this yet. So strap in. It's, it's going to be something. Now, the interesting thing about this movie being a 2020 movie is I feel like there was a lot of hype excitement for this movie. It's from Christopher Nolan. Mm -hmm. The trailers paint a picture, right, of yeah. action, but like what's going on, interesting things, and he's got a history of movies in similar situations with good action and interesting things going on, like confusing but not and I felt like the problem with this one was just like everything in 2020 was timing. Probably. And it didn't, it did get a theatrical release, but obviously for reasons, it didn't do very well in the theater. So it, it got put to streaming, I think fairly quickly. Yes, definitely. And it's been on HBO Max now for quite some time. Now, as always, for those of us, uh, or for those of you that are our regular listeners, we are going to apply our scientific yet not approach to, you know, breaking down the film. We're going to take a look at multiple different categories and just kind of rate it with a numerical value that will ultimately add up to potentially up to 100 points or as low as zero. Just kind of like getting those papers when we were in school back all those many years ago. Um, and uh, it's, it's going to... It's going to be just so exciting, uh, as exciting as any amount of uh, finance or <laughs> doing your taxes can be. Yes, adding and no, no multiplying or dividing. So at least we got that. Right. We're going to keep it easy. But uh, to avoid spoilers, I mean, it's, it's still it's been out for a year. But uh, some people that still haven't seen it, uh, we will give our spoiler free kind of general uh, thoughts about it, and then we'll just kind of jump into the rest, okay? I think that sounds good. So what did you just in general think about the film? Well, it's hard to place into a category in, in a certain sense because it leads right into this action-style sequence. It does. And it just keeps building on that. And one of the things I'll discuss is kind of the the mood that's presented in the movie and how it's presented in the movie tries to elevate that sense of urgency and sense of action. Um, I, I, I feel like I am kind of lucky in a certain sense 
with it being on a streaming service is that I was I, I have watched I have watched this movie twice and I feel like if you like it enough that watching it twice is almost almost a necessity be, because you miss so much the first time around and it makes the second time more revealing uh, makes it a little bit better. And, and we'll talk a little bit about the director and some of the movies that he's done in the past. And some of those movies have that kind of same feeling, too. Absolutely. Now, from my side, uh, I was not as impressed with this film. I thought it was resoundingly OK. Um, it, I don't feel like I wasted my time for watching it. Um, I don't feel compelled to watch it again. Uh, it, it was, it was okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it was good enough for me that I felt like I needed to watch it again. I wanted to watch it again, but not good enough that I would want to go back a year from now and revisit it that the, right. like that type of movie. Absolutely. Well, as, as always, we are going to break things down into subcategories, uh, including the cast. Uh, we talked about the director. We talked about costuming and props. No, we didn't, but I'm imagining that we did. Uh, we are going to talk about location cinematography. We're going to talk about the plot and writing, and then a little spot for bonus points for anything that we feel need to be added or removed for particularly clever things or things that just grated on our nerves that don't quite fit in the other categories or technically may have been in the other categories, but they were that egregious or that amazing that they need to be put there. All right, so let's let's just start into it. Let's You were, you were talking about the director. I think that's a good first spot to, to go with. Uh, Christopher Nolan... He's been around for a while. He's done quite a few, quite quite a few films. Um, I generally like his stuff. I, I think that's agreeable. And he's done a, a few movies that maybe we haven't watched, and a lot of movies that a lot of people have watched. Right. Uh, I, I think the one that kind of brought him into the forefront was probably Memento, and. Memento's a really good movie. It's one of those movies that I mentioned before that if you go back and you watch it again, you kind of get a better feeling for it, a little bit better enjoyment for it, I feel like. Um, but that was a movie on a budget. Yeah. And he didn't have a lot of money and resources. He had great actors uh, to, to do on like little to no budget. But it really kind of, like I said, brought him to the forefront and made him more visible at the time. Yeah, he's kind of, again, kind of all over the place. For for a while, I, I thought he was kind of that director that anything he touched was just gold. I mean, because he had this period where everything he did was just really good. You mentioned Memento, but for me, like Batman Begins, The Prestige, The Dark Knight, Inception, you know, just all the way through there, it seems like, man, he cannot go wrong. He just His films are great. And then he did The Dark Knight Rises and showed that he could still make mistakes. Uh. Yeah, and that movie really, in a sense, wasn't bad. It was just the other two were so much better, right? That that one... Mm, no, it had some major writing problems. And bad voiceover things, too. But that's a whole different... You, you have come to for distraction, and I do not get distracted. Yeah, it's... 
It's interesting. It's an interesting way to complete the trilogy when there's so much more to be done. I feel I feel like, but that movie is that movie's fine. Yeah. But that was you're right. That was kind of the the turn. Yeah. Um have you seen Interstellar? Uh, yeah, it's kind of meh. And then uh Dunkirk. I have not seen Dunkirk. I've heard good things. Dunkirk. So if you're if you like World War 2 and you like stories and you like presentation, that one's good. But I feel like everything happens and yet nothing happens in that movie because there's a whole bunch of like Tenet. Yeah, there I I think if you're from Europe and you're from Great Britain especially and you know the story of what happened, that that has a lot more impact. But us in America, we're just like that that we I had to do go and do research to figure out what exactly was going on and why it was such an important event at the time. And the presentation is great in that movie. It's just that I don't know that there was anything that happened. I don't know. It's, it's hard it, to describe. That's one I definitely have on my list to see because I think that'll hit me square in my wheelhouse. I'll probably enjoy that one quite a bit. But um, yeah, so he's he's got a track record. And so for me, obviously, with any film that comes out, when you know the director, that's going to color your initial expectation of the film. So I had this... Um, had this mental state where it's like, well, this could be really good or it could be potentially pretty bad. Um, and I just didn't, I didn't know which Christopher Nolan experience I was going to get. So with that, that kind of, uh, colored, if you, if you just said Nolan, like I said, like seven years ago, uh, 10 years ago, even, um, I'd have gone, um, yeah, let, let's go 10 years ago. I'd go, yeah, there, there's no chance. This is going to be a bad film. This is going to be great. And now it's like it's it's got a chance. It's got a good chance. It's going to be really good. But uh, hey, he's he's got he's starting gotten into certain rhythms and certain expectations, and and he doesn't always hit it out of the park for me. Yeah, I in this one, there's a lot of things I, I feel like there's a lot of things to enjoy, but a lot of times when we do a review on something, when we dig into like the plot category, it plot and writing it just pretty much destroys the movie a lot of times yeah movie can have a great look a great sound great acting but the stories makes no sense or the plot direction makes no sense and it just kind of tanks it right and i think you get a lot of that with this particular movie now a, a lot of the movies that he directs he actually has his hand in doing the writing and all those things oh definitely too. so 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 he uh, he has his hands in this film in that way. So I hold him directly responsible. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, okay. So on a scale of twenty, we do twenty points for the director. How many points would you give this film, this Christopher Nolan film? Well, if you look at the actual writing, and you actually you look at the story, the story is kind of convoluted. The, the actual presentation of things is confusing. Um, it, But what was put on the screen for that story, that would have been, this movie would have been a hard movie to direct. I yeah, think. definitely. So I, I, I have to agree with you there. This, 
because of the concept, there would be such an increased need for attention to detail above and beyond even a normal movie that already requires a lot. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big order. Yeah. So th- this was a big undertaking. The action sequences, the layout, the look of everything was was actually pretty solid and, and i have complaints about other things that we'll get into other categories but from a direction standpoint i don't really feel like i don't feel like he made this movie bad uh, but he could have made it better that's the thing so that's like a 15 15 from richard um i'm similar in, in my my take of this, to a certain extent, uh, I do think he can be held uh, responsible. Um, I, I try and combine um, what I think I'm going to get going into the film combined with what actually came out with it. For me, that's a 12. Uh, or not, sorry, 12. I said 12 and I meant 13. It's going to be a good brain day, I can tell. Uh, <laughs> Baker's dozen? That <laughs> that's exactly what that is. Uh, but, I mean... Not a bad score. Uh, either way, you know, this, that's in the three-quarters range. You know, all right. Not yep. too bad. Yep. I'm okay with the yeah. 75%. Right. So, the cast. This is this has got a lot of extras in it. There aren't a lot of prime players. There's just a handful, which I generally like. I, I, I like the focused on fewer people. It gives you uh, a chance to often have more... Uh, time to you know to get into the role and to have some uh, writing that will develop the character a little bit. So I was kind of excited about that. What did you think about the cast? Well, on the surface, a lot of the folks were. I mean, it, if you look at the names, pretty good. Yeah. Um, when you look at the presentation of their their characters on screen. I'll go with pretty good. Uh, not great, not good. There was um, there's a few a few issues that I had. Now, for one, when we look at when you say there was a main character, two, two, three, and, and right, right. faces showed up more often than not. Um, I guess you can say he he played his name his character was the protagonist. Yeah, that. I'm going to get to that in the writing side, yes, but yeah. that that annoyed the crap out of me. Yeah, it didn't have a, a true name. So, in this particular movie, and um, what's his name again? John David Washington. Okay. In this movie, his character just, it changed, and his presentation changed throughout the movie a little bit uh, the word inconsistent comes to mind but yes yes at the beginning of the movie he was kind of he was there he was in this group they had their own thing that they had to do but it seemed like he was apprehensive like he wasn't all into doing you know everything like he wasn't mr action person he was kind of scared he was reluctant and then he goes into the interrogation and they do whatever and he takes the pill. So he's willing to go in. But then in this, in the actual gut of the movie, he has this weird kind of confidence and swag that kind of comes and goes. And it's just really, yeah. it's a really weird presentation of the character. And it's hard to say whether that's the writing of the character or whether that was his interpretation of it. 
But if it made it into the final cut, I have to assume that it's some, at least some amalgamation of the two. Uh, I was not really familiar with Mr. Washington's repertoire going into this. Um, He's been in a few things. Uh, I was concerned whenever you have just uh, somebody that doesn't have what what I would consider to be a big name uh, helming a, a big film. That's that's concerning sometimes, uh, and that. But of course, it's only concerning because we have been conditioned to think that it's concerning. Uh, if it doesn't have a Tom Cruise or some other big name at the helm of it, oh, this might not be very good. But no, it's it's you got to take chances on people that don't have as much recognition because that allows you to be pleasantly surprised. Um, I don't think he was given room to pleasantly surprise me. He was okay. Um, he now I will say this: he carried the film. Um, I, I think he had enough stage presence and enough charisma that to be the main character he was able to pull it off even if it wasn't maybe the performance that i would have wanted he definitely had that skill um yeah i I agree with that too yeah um pairing him with robert pattinson interesting my pickiness in this concerns a future movie that he is going to be in a little bit can he truly be an action star? I feel like some of the sequences that he was in where he kind of had to play that certain character were fine, but when you got into like the action sequences, he wasn't very action no, not really. sequency, that type of person. Uh, and, and you felt like, and I'm being picky on this, when you look at a lot of the other actors and they're doing all the gunfights and the handling of the weapons and their movements with it. It's like they, they did have some type of training. They prepared for it. And I, I didn't get a lot of that out of him. No, not, not too much. Now, I will say this. As much as I hated the Twilight films, and I did hate the Twilight films because they were not good, uh, I defy you to say otherwise. I'm just kidding. A lot of people like the Twilight films. It just wasn't in my wheelhouse. Um, and it, you will never see me like a film that has glittery, Freaking vampires. Just Jesus. Um, but I never had problems with his performance. I liked him ever since he was uh, Cedric in uh, the Harry Potter films. I think he has a great deal of charisma. I really like his work. I just don't think he, they gave him much to do in this film. And I don't know what he really brought to the performance. To It's, uh Yeah. Just maybe, again, I don't know if it's a matter of what they had to work with or what they did with what they worked with, but just just wasn't much to me. Yeah, and he the, the thing about it is in this performance, too, he didn't necessarily disappoint. No, no, he did fine. And I think that's just it. He did fine. Yeah. Um, so there were, I mean, it's nice to see Michael Caine pop up for a minute, uh, literally like a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was perfect. He was gr- great. Even Aaron Taylor Johnson was in it briefly. Well, he was probably my favorite. I, I thought his um, his portrayal of his little unit commander. Yeah, I thought that he was did. actually pretty good. I thought he was probably the highlight of the movie for me in terms of the acting. He's underrated so much. I mean, just it's it's hard for me to describe that. Whatever he is in, he tends to elevate but when he does it it's not like oh 
there's that guy and he's awesome. You just think, oh, that was good. And you you don't always attach it to him, but it's definitely him that, that does it. It's, it's really kind of impressive. I often felt that way about Ke- uh, Kenneth Branagh. However, <laughs> in this film, this may be the first time ever I've seen a Kenneth Branagh performance where I've gone, that was just not good. It, it maybe it was the accent. I, I I could maybe I couldn't get behind the Russian accent. Was it a bad Russian accent? I thought it was. Maybe it wasn't, but it didn't it didn't hit for me. I I got that same impression too. Where they initially when they were showing that character, he was just kind of there off the screen, right? Yeah. And they're having a conversation, and then it pans out to like in a later scene to show, oh, this is the bad guy. And by the way, it's Kenneth Branagh. Like he's playing a, a, like a Russian bad guy. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. Let's give it a chance. Well, he can do, he can do villain. I've seen him do villain and he's done it well. Uh, this is partly what led me to, it's gotta be the writing because I've never seen a Kenneth Branagh performance. I haven't liked that says something. If it's never been that way until this film, um, so I, I can't put that on him. Uh, there, there's no way that he could have struck and, you know, hit every other one out of the park. And just on this one, his skills all of a sudden disappeared. No, no, that can't be it. There had to be something else that I'm missing. It could just be, to be fair, it could be some other bias that is just kind of blinding me, but and, and we'll get to the writing. And I, I think it's the writing. Yeah. It, uh, I'll, I'll go with he was okay. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't distracting. The the accent could have been better or been maybe played by somebody who actually had a Russian accent or accent, I don't know. But uh he was in Dunkirk, so they already had a relationship right pre- previous to this. So that I'm sure that had something to to do with it, but was that character meant to be ominous? Was that character meant to be scary? Was that character meant to be calm, cool, and collected? Because he always measured he, his heart rate. He was all over the place. Yeah. And that goes back to the performance, yes, and the writing also. Yeah. And was it uh, Clements Posey? Was that the uh, the other major playing Barbara? I don't remember who she was in the movie. She was not the the main face that we saw. No. It was um, Elizabeth DeBecky. Right, right, right. So uh, now, unlike the other performances, Elizabeth DeBecky was maybe the most consistent in the performances of the film, I felt. Uh, I actually got some emotional um, resonance, a little bit of impact off of that. I thought that was pretty solid. Yeah, uh, she was scared at times, scared for her life at times, and that came across. Yeah, I mean, so can't can't be unhappy about that one. So, all in all, you got a couple of big names. You got some people that maybe you're not as familiar with, and by you, I mean me. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, for me on that, um, combine that with the actual performances that we got on a scale of zero to twenty. That to me is about a twelve. I'm going to stick with consistency and do another 15. That makes sense to me. Now, consistency is really important. You have to have that for people to really kind of get with what you're doing. 
much like social media. You have to be consistent on social media, and we can tell you about it here. Hey there, Pudding People. Don't forget to check us out on our social media accounts so you can keep apprised of everything that we do any time of the day. Richard, you're most on Instagram, right? On the Gram Gram, yes. And what are we best known on Instagram as? Pudding Guys. Easy enough. In fact, that's also what we're known as on Facebook. Now, I'd say we're on Instagram just a little more than we are on Facebook. You might get the occasional update there. We are most active on Twitter, where we are at Real Pudding Guys. Uh, we will give you updates about the next episode that's going to be coming at the end of the week, when it's released, any other little updates to the Ultimate Comic Movie Database or the Pop Culture Death Counts will also be there. Um, now, our most exciting changes are going to be coming up soon. We're going to have a new website called Fate, the Film and Television Engine. We're getting close to doing the beta for that. We're still working on the alpha side. We'll be doing a little closed beta and inviting a handful of people into this. I tell you what, it's going to be really, really cool when it releases. Now, you'll be able to also hear about that on our Patreon page. What are we on Patreon, Richard? Pudding guys. Pretty easy. Now, right now, it's very easy to support us. How much does it cost, Richard? It's one dollar per month per month not per day per month <laughs> yes twelve dollars for a year yeah uh, that's really not much to help support us as we release new content as we get better equipment to release the content into and when the fate engine comes out it will have its own cost and we're going to make it very affordable for everyone to be involved with this and it's going to be so cool i can't wait for you all to hear about it wasn't that interesting? <laughs> Was it ever? <laughs> Come yeah. on. So, okay, back into it, uh, away from our uh, self-aggrandizement. Would that be ac accurate in, in, uh, in how we describe that or just self-promotion? Self-promotion. Okay. So, all right, let's go into something a little smaller um, and sometimes bigger. Uh, we're going to talk about the costuming and props. What did you think about the the costuming and props in this particular film, Richard? The one thing that you immediately see in this movie is the generic black suit with the gas mask and the black helmet. Yep. That you see in like every other film. Every like this could be a John Carpenter movie, yeah. right? Uh, that doesn't necessarily bode well for those things. Um as you go through, there was guns, and the room. I, the room is a prop. The room that's got like the little spinny thingies that you know put you in, and then you go backwards and whatever. Like it's okay. That was okay. Uh, I'm trying to think what was actually good. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I'll answer that for you. Nothing. Not a no, lot. None of the pro none of the props are bad. Don't get me wrong. I mean, none of them screamed awful except for maybe the the device that they're trying to hide from everybody and get back which basically looked like bits of uh workout room weights that's true once they put it all together it was the algorithm good. that was the algorithm by good, the yeah good yeah. lord that was just weird looking the suit uh they had some nice suits yeah like, there was a whole did. scene that kind of revolved around that so the suits were nice okay that's that's good. Um, 
But to the average viewer, what does that really mean? He knocks his suit in that in that one scene. Uh, Michael Caine ta- talking about an off the rack suit. Uh, average listener, do you know the difference? Because when he comes in in that other suit, it didn't look all that much better to me. So, what what purpose was that? Uh, he went to the shop for the. Kingsman. I would like that. A little crossover, something like that. But even when they go towards the end of the movie and he's in the little warehouse with the like the weapons all laying on the table, those weapons were like World War II weapons. They're, yeah, they're just kind of standard. Nothing amazing. So when they, when they do the big action sequence at the end where there's the red team and there's the blue team, their uniforms look like ones you went to the local, you know, army surplus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's in terms of that. That's where I kind of had the biggest, like, come on, man. Like, I, I guess they put the budget other the budget for the, the money in, uh, in other areas other yeah. than you know the yeah. things that people see in every scene. Yeah. So basically, it's a resounding eh. I mean, again, nothing other than the dumbbells that really annoyed me, but nothing that just stood out and go, wow, that was really a, a good set of costuming or something, some some prop that was just great. Nope. It was okay. On a scale of 1 to 10, what does that mean to you? A 6. Uh, it means about the same for me. I'm going to be nicer. I'm going to be 7 on this because at least it wasn't distracting except for the dumbbells. Uh, what about the locations? I, I felt this was a little bit better. Yeah, so this had a little bit more more pop to it, I feel like. Uh, big settings yeah. in in on the ocean, on the ships, in the windmills. You go to the big cities, and the big cities had the look and feel of a, a hustle-bustle city. It had the landscapes. Uh, I, I I felt it had a good color to it. Oh yeah. So the actual locations were honestly pretty solid. They yeah. they scoped those out pretty well and and filmed some nice sh- shots. And for me, it was it was a matter where I thought that the locations were good and the places that they chose for the movie to occur in were nice. Now a lot of what made it nice was the cinematography that we're going to get into. Uh, I had to step back from it. It's like, why do I really like this? Where'd they go? Okay, there was a war zone, there was a restaurant, there was a highway. Actually, they didn't really go all that many places that were all that interesting. Um, But the sets were good, and they didn't distract, and they actually enhanced uh, whatever it is that they were trying to do. So, I mean, while it may not be as amazing as I initially thought when I looked at it, it's still really good. Um, I'm not going to really dwell on it because, again, most of this goes into the cinematography that we're about to talk about. I was just going to say cinematography. That's right. It's like, uh, give me my pischetti. Uh, But, uh, again, we don't generally land on this topic for too terribly long. So, for me, that's an 8 out of 10. I think 8 is a fair score. Let's talk about that cinematography. That's something that Christopher Nolan movies are kind of known for. And... Besides the cinematography, you have to play into really the the fact that a lot of it was practical effects. Oh, yeah. I love that. And and you're like, well, a lot of the things were backwards. Well, they just filmed it and then 
played it backwards. Yeah. Just played the played the whatever in reverse. If they had something where a bullet hit and it you know sprayed out wood particles or spot from the wall, they just filmed it backwards. So in 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 terms of the look and once again the color and the feel of it, this didn't have one of those weird like tones to it. No. It actually had a nice look and feel to it. The color, the color palette that was chosen was really nice and consistent, and the wide shots that they did, the establishing shots. I don't know if anybody does a better job in getting the right people to do that than Nolan does. He, who, the people that he hires to to do the the filming, just man, they 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 know they know how to do this kind of stuff. I'm always impressed. They've got a good eye for the all-encompassing, right? Yeah. And they have the right knowledge for the right lenses and and color saturation, uh, aperture, all that type of stuff that most of us don't pay attention to, look at, consider. And and we we mentioned the practical effects. Does this fall into the cinematography piece? Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's the one thing that I'd like to to touch on in terms of eh, it could have been better. A lot of times when you have a thing that explodes or a car that flips, right? The explosions. Now, I've never seen a bomb or a thing explode, right? I've not been in there. But what I do see are things that just look like fireworks going off all the time. And it. I don't know if it's meant to look like that. But it's kind of distracting because it's like they just put a firework there and the thing had a big puff of smoke and a real quick explosion. So it didn't really look a lot of those things didn't look and feel accurate. Like when the plane crashes into it's just like all of a sudden uh, balls of fiery gas go out the side. (laughs) Great ones. Like that was a I'm sure that was a very expensive big fancy scene that they only had one chance to do and it looked okay it it didn't look awesome to me it just looked like i said they put things in that made gas balls explode and then that was it well that i can understand that kind of reaction off that that didn't really detract for me um for me a lot of it is just you know how did they frame the actors how did they go from scene to scene um, how did they, how did they choose their angles and the way they followed the, the choreography of the fights and how good was that choreography? Um, for the most part, um, I was impressed as I always am with a Nolan film, just that he, he, he was able to do everything. Now the choreography of the fight scenes was bad, um, I don't know if there is going to be any way it couldn't be bad with the concept that they had. Uh, so I don't really blame anyone for that one because uh, this is this is not exactly something that I've seen attempted before. So they're kind of going into new territory. So it was going to kind of look bad no matter no matter what. But it didn't look awful. It just looked bad. I, I definitely think that they hid some of the deficiencies in the actors fighting abilities right play fighting abilities with the kind of backwards reverse aspect of a lot of things and then close quick cuts i mean you see that in most action movies yeah. anyway and that was fine uh now 
in terms of the militaristic action sequences, it was kind of the same way. It people are just running up against some walls, and the arms and guns are flopping all over the place. <laughs> like these people weren't trained to do anything. It, it was, it was like they just learned how to do things about a week ago, and then they're gonna run up on this sandy rocky building desert area i don't know what that was but. we're, we're going to be far out enough that nobody's going to notice that you don't know what you're doing yeah so there was definitely that was hidden yes you could see it obviously i said i watched it twice so you could you could see the deficiencies in, in the actors in bulk that were just really not the extras yeah. that just weren't really <laughs> trained at all for anything now does the music as we've Touched briefly in the yes. past. We need to get an, uh, a category just for music, but for now we'll put it into cinematography. Okay. I feel like the music had so many feels to it in this one where it was it was always that man-made tension building, but like <laughs> always there. There was always some type of background music. Well, there was. And sometimes you're just like, oh, you're you're building this feeling, but then the music's still there. Like, this is getting annoying. Like, tone. Let's tone this repetitive. Well, the volume jumped all over the place. Now, in a movie theater, that doesn't bother me too much. I watched this streaming uh, in a house with an individual that does not like a lot of volume, which meant I kept having to play with the volume as it kept going up and down. That was greatly annoying. Uh, did not like that. I had headphones on, so I was just watching it through Bluetooth. Yeah, I do a lot of headphones in, in a given day, and I can only have it on for so long. And I was not at a mental point where I could do that watching the film. Uh, but that did mean a little extra work for me to make sure that it didn't jump from one decibel to 100 decibels uh, immediately going on. it. And uh, talking about the music... I understand it's part of the way the film was put together, and sometimes the music had to sound like it was backwards. No. Just no. It was not helpful. That was bad. That that was really, really distracting and out of place and God. And it was all it was all just kind of a score, right? Right. There weren't there wasn't songs, there wasn't any of that stuff. It was all just some man-made kind of sound thingies that kind of blend it all together that's that's kind of a nolan thing i usually and there's elements certain instances of the film i go okay this is classic nolan film you know audio that's and it was fine and but then when it just started to go off in odd directions like no you just you gotta stop you gotta stop now and it never did no no and that's that's one thing i definitely noticed this time is if you're into the movie and you're watching it you get a lot of that kind of feel and the and the tension because it, there's a lot of those tense moments that are actually oh, yeah. happening and happening in the movie but then the music just keeps going and going and it's like it's always there it's like yeah. it's always on that was kind of the problem that i ran into with it but when they're running and they're getting shot at or they're punching people who are going backwards you have to have something in the background because that's not one that just lends to like shoes squeaking and grunts and right. So you have to have something in the background. It's just sometimes that something was a little much. Yeah. So for me, uh, you know, with the detraction of the audio and some of the choreography not being great, 
it was still pretty good cinematography. I mean, I, I, mostly these are nitpicks sure. uh, uh, for the at least for me for the cinematography. The sound, while it's important, is maybe the biggest thing. The rest of the stuff was like I said. There's not a lot that you could do to get around some of the stuff. So, eh. so for me, that's a 17 out of 20 because it's still just visually really nice. I'm good with the 16. Okay. Now, we are to that point in time where we really <laughs> nitpick a film and decide whether or not it worked for us or not, the, the plot and the writing. Now, um, Nolan was the, the writer of this film as well as the director. Um, I've read some stories about it. Generally, I love science fiction. And you have to give a certain amount of leeway in a science fiction film. Uh, there, there, there are going to be liberties that are going to be taken. For me, there's, there's this, this range of liberty that can be taken. You can go up to a certain point before you just completely remove me from the film. And on a regular film, it's a very narrow band. On science fiction, I, give a little, I can give a little more leeway because I can say, hey, this isn't really intended to be the real world, so I can kind of play fast and loose. Unless the film is intended to be grounded in reality, even though it's science fiction, which Tenet is. So how did this, how did this make, make or break for you? Well... It wasn't necessarily a concept of I'm going to go through this machine that I can go backwards in time. It was maybe their explanation of it and their presentation of it in terms of things going backwards and things showing up. Okay, so like the bullet that they're talking about in the university. Well, it's about instinct. Yeah, okay, whatever. No. So... My my problem with a lot of the things actually starts right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So we're at this the orchestra thing. the The truck is just sitting there in the parking lot, right? And no one notices. No one notices. Okay, fine. <laughs> so then all the police roll up. They look on the side of the police and then like, okay, that's the badge. Here's everybody's little badge. I okay, did like cool. that. Like that part was smart, but then they get out of the truck where it didn't matter the badge because they were all wearing the exact same thing already that everybody else was wearing. <laughs> oh, okay. That's convenient. Yeah. But then they just join in and running with everybody like the people that have trained together in these military or police segments for the last one, two, three, five years together wouldn't notice this random set of four other people just running up on them. And then they're staged to go in and everybody runs forward and they Except just go them. straight sideways. <laughs> no reaction. No one pays attention to any of that stuff. So if you're, if you're seeing that like this, there's this big tense action sequence at the beginning. And all I'm paying attention to is like, Nobody saw them. Nobody saw them. Nobody saw them. It's just those observational things. That's part of the plot. That's part of the writing where they just magically blend in. Right. And I felt like there was a lot of those things throughout the course of, throughout the course of the entire movie, 
oh, yeah. just observational things were like people can't see two feet in front of their face to notice that something has different has gone on and that's how they just make everything work magically yeah and it's just you're going to have to have a certain amount of that in a film because i mean it's it's fantasy and you when when you're writing a, a script you can't know everything you can consult certain experts and and you can you're trying to frame a story it's it's not as important for it to be completely realistic so there's certain like I said there's certain leeway that you can get but when you do it repeatedly even those people that wouldn't normally notice one or two things you're going to notice and it's just going to it's going to drop you out of the film the plane that's driving towards the building and then two people just randomly walk out of it <laughs> nobody saw <laughs> like there's a crowd they were walking right towards a crowd of like 20 people well, they were already wearing what they needed to wear under the other things that they were wearing that they needed to wear. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Sure. Nobody. Yeah. Did, mm. Did, at, talk to any air traffic controller. Uh, find one. <laughs> and, and have him punch about 30 holes into that scene. I mean, I'm, I'm not an air traffic controller, but I, I've known a, a, a few and there are so many things about that scene that are just straight up wrong. And, and once again, that's that's an important plot piece that actually right. gets touched on in future segments of the movie. But it just played off as like, you know, nonsensical. Well, when it's, I think here's the thing. When it's a secondary thing to the plot, like something that happens, but it's not key to the plot of the film, it's kind of forgivable. Because, you know, I need to kind of have this happen to move the plot forward a little bit. We're not really going to revisit it, and we're not going to do that sort of a thing again. But Nolan has had this habit. I mean, he did it in the third Batman film with the whole bit around Wall Street that does not work the way he put it. You will find all sorts of really interesting dissections of that particular scene where Bane goes to Wall Street. That makes no sense. It's not how the real world works even close. and But it's key to the plot. It has to happen that way. Well, find another way. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, they go in there and they just magically reduce his <laughs> money to nothing. <laughs> and the rest of the world's like, yep, and sorry. No, nobody catches it or cares. Yeah. <laughs> So, besides the actual main part of the plot, which has many questions, right? once again, that was an observational thing that just occurred so often throughout the movie. And if you're... I still don't understand the concept of, like, if you walk through the thing and everybody else is going forward, right? But you're going backwards or wherever... How do your things work then? Nothing should. That was the other thing that I had problems with. Uh, any sort. Now, this is I I, I, I feel this knee jerk response. Say anybody that understands rudimentary science. OK, this isn't rudimentary science. It's a step above that or two. Uh, but if you're going to be handling a, a film on time travel or a film like this, which technically isn't really time travel, it's it's time shenanigans. Let's call it that. Um you should present the science as accurately as you can. I mean, there's going to be things that you're going to have to fudge to make the, the thing work. But 
So, okay, I'm moving backwards in time. My entropy is flowing backwards. Okay, sure, fine, that can work. How do you see? The light is traveling backwards. You cannot see. There's no way for that to happen. That's the first thing. It's like, I understand how light works. This this makes no sense. Well, they even tried to play off a science piece of it, too, with the, the masks. We right. have to wear these because your lungs can't process backwards oxygen or whatever it Which is. Which, technically, that's mostly accurate, yeah. But then they just completely forgot about all the other Everything things. Everything else. Like <laughs> what you hear and what you see and all the other <laughs> Okay. So what was the point of that? Oh, so that they could go in places that didn't have oxygen or like they had to have it in case something bad happened. They had to put the mask back on. So it was just another minor piece of information that was in there. But it identified the people that were going backwards as opposed to the people that were going forwards also. Right, right. So I had a lot of problems with a lot of the science because most of it, in terms of a scale of 1 to 10, where, you know, like uh, 10 is they've got the science down. Everything that they have is at least plausible theoretically uh, to one where I don't know if this person ever went to school. Uh, the science in this is like a four. It's it's really bad. It is really really bad. And again, you have to have, give a little more leeway because it's science fiction. It's it's a it's a device to get you to the story that they want to tell. You know that thing where you are in the shower and you think, oh, wouldn't it be neat if we could have this loop thing where you're kind of reenacting acting with stuff that's already happened? And well, what can I do to make this happen? Sure, okay, but it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And when you compound upon that, that nothing really happens in the film. There's no real character growth. None of the characters grow at all. The closest you get is the protagonist, where he goes, oh, time works differently than I thought. That's his character growth. That's it. And the revelation at the end that he was the one that set all this back up, the pincer move. Oh, okay, that was... Yeah. Was that, was that supposed to be like, oh, wow, the big yeah. plot twist at the end? No. Uh, Pretty obvious. But the actual, I don't know, the actual delivery of a lot of the, the stuff in terms of what you said, what actually happens. So when they go and try to get the person from at the beginning. Mm-hmm. They're actually just after the thing. Like right. Nobody knows exactly what the thing is. Okay. But then he gets killed, kind of, but doesn't. Like, he, he takes and the pill and back, yeah. he's brought back. He's not really dead. They, yeah. He's just in a coma. And now he's after somebody that maybe after plutonium, but they don't know why. So He's like the worst secret agent ever. <laughs> it's just like, oh, am I supposed to go after these people? Okay. I don't really need explanation. <laughs> yeah, well, what what is he? What is he supposed to be? I think he's supposed to start a CIA. That's the impression that I got because I make references to that a couple times. Okay. I think. I'm not 100% clear on that. Uh, and just, it's it's so vague. And so, I mean, I, I guess that's so that everybody can kind of get into it whichever direction they want to. But at the same time, no, don't do that. It's not good. And, and I still could, it took me a, a while to figure out, like, why he was after people. 
and why he was going with these people and why he needed a team of people to go after the people because that wasn't really played out very well throughout the middle of the movie. And, of course, at the end, it was just like, it's the end of the world. Yeah. Okay, great. And the things that they tried to do to kind of hide the the, the swerve that, you know, he's he's goes forward and then he comes back. It's so, to anybody that's paying attention, it's so unbelievably obvious what is being done now now to be fair anybody that watched the the commercials kind of understands the basic concept of what's going to be coming up in the film so with that knowledge then seeing what they do as the film rolls out it's like oh he's fighting himself there the other guy has a complete face mask on and it's awkward fighting even for the time travel aspect it's it's himself He's definitely fighting himself right now. And when Robert Pattinson says, oh, you've been made. And that looks like, yeah, he just either saw himself or the other guy because they time, you know, went back in time. Okay, not terribly surprised. None of it was a surprise. I mean, like on the level of uh, Sixth Sense, figuring out that uh, it's a ghost all along. Yeah, it's not even close to that. It's, it's just not, the execution was not great the building on those story elements throughout the movie and then revisiting them in a different direction towards the end of the movie, that's hard to structure. Yeah. It's hard to get right. That's hard to present. That's hard to film. That's hard to choreograph. That must have been a huge headache. So I, I feel like part of that, you probably got to the point where they're just like, we ran out of money and we need this to be done. <laughs> it's time to get it to the movie theater. Let's get this. Let's get this done. Yes, but you're you're right. The you're fighting this dude the whole time who just happens to have your height, your weight, and is completely covered in a full-on face gas mask that you probably would you would have gotten rid of if you were I don't know. Yeah. Well, remember he needed a, he had needed that for oxygen to breathe. Yes. But uh, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just there, there were there were several several instances like that. Um, and then when you combine all of that with the way that the film was cut, especially towards the end of the film, it was very confusing in its presentation of everything. So, you know, it's possible maybe I missed some stuff because of the way that everything was presented. I just couldn't. It was going from forward to backwards. To, is that for, is that forward? I can't. Oh, okay, no, that one's forward and this one's not. And then people move around and it's like, oh, geez. Just, I, I just kind of want the film to be over now. I got, I got a little bit of that towards the end, too, because they had to go through different shifts to get to the different points. And, of course, at the end, when the person saves them, their the, the door is locked, but he sees the little red thing hanging from the bag. Yeah, oh, that's got to be important. Yeah. Yeah, I already know what's coming. Yeah. So, but he had a mask on, so he couldn't see who he was. We had to <laughs> save it for the, yeah. It just seemed, now, I, I don't know. Now, here's my question. This is my only question. Did you get the same impression that I did? That the child, the woman's child, is actually Robert Pattinson's character? I did not. That's the impression that I got. I may be wrong on that, but that's the only thing that I thought was kind of an interesting, huh, he ends up saving this person. I meet you way in the future. And then you look at Robert Pattinson's age. It's like, okay, for the amount of time that this would have had to pass, 
that's about how old he would be. Well, he said five years. Wasn't oh, it five did he years? say five years? I thought that maybe, was maybe I missed that. So, okay, maybe not. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure, like, I, I want to say at the end, they, they said it, in, the, in the future, it's, it's five years in the future. Well, maybe, maybe that's the case. Okay, so maybe not, but uh, that would have been cool. That, that would have been a fun twist. Yeah, that would have had a little bit more bearing on Tenet 2. Yeah. Which yeah. is never going to happen. I uh, hope not. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, but we want to know what you think. Let us know on uh, social media and all that sort of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm skipping the, the scoring on purpose just because I, much like the movie, I want this to be over. <laughs> I'm wondering there. What we... No, I'm, you didn't like math today. We I'm talked ha- about that already. I, I'm, having, I'm having some fun with this just because I'm going to do it out of order just like Tenet does. And I bet you'll love it. It'll be high science fiction. <laughs> we should have thrown that in at the beginning. Oh, we should have. We, yeah, we should have put our scores at the beginning and then read everything. Oh, uh, foreknowledge. And then should have planned that out better. Well, on the plot and writing, what do you give it out of 20? I think 10 is fair. 10 is fair? I, I was a little nicer. I, I went with 11. I don't know why. I don't have a good reason. <laughs> it's just kind of the general vague feeling of where it was. Uh, so, okay, well, that means that Richard is, uh, 60, 74, not too shabby. Uh, I gave it a solid 68. Uh, so in the C and D range for us on I that I think that's one. fair. Yeah. I don't really have much that I need to deliver on bonus points. No, there's nothing that really jumped out. I like seeing Michael Caine in there. Yeah. He was fun. And that the whole interaction in that the whole scene, which was very brief, was fun. Just shows how he can elevate a film just by being in it for a moment. But yeah, there's nothing in there that was like a shout out or something cool or music or whatever. So no bonus points for you, tenant. No, no, nothing. Just straight up. But for real, we would love to know what you think. Let us know on, uh, you know, Twitter or Facebook or uh, Instagram. You know, it's it's always nice to hear from people that have uh, different experiences. And maybe we'll point out something that we missed because that's the best part of this. Uh, the, for me, the experience of viewing a film is better when I talk to somebody that catches something that I didn't catch. And I go, oh, yeah, that completely changes whatever it was and can potentially make a film uh, better or worse after having viewed it. Just love it. And we would love to know what you think. But until next time, keep watching films, and we will be back. Bye.